Michigan bounces back strong against Maryland. We preview the Wisconsin game, and way to go, Sparty. I'm Adam Amble, and this is The M Factor. All right, welcome back, Michigan fans, to week seven of the season. We call this the beat-down part of the schedule. We shall see. Hopefully Michigan can come out strong against Wisconsin this Saturday. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be awesome. College game day is going to be there. We'll have the preview for that and the predictions. We'll go over the Maryland game, and we'll check some fan mail. We'll get to all of that here in this episode of The M Factor. But first, time to do the plug again. If you haven't yet, go over to Facebook or Google Play, and please subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. It really helps. And if not, continue to listen to us on SoundCloud. We're getting a lot of good responses, folks. I'm really enjoying where this thing is going, so keep it up. Really appreciate it. Go Blue. Let's get into the game from last Saturday. I will admit Michigan did come out a little slow, a little slow. They come out, jump out to a nice 3 nothing lead on a Quinn Nordine 34-yard field goal. Maryland comes right back and scores 7-3 on that special teams kick return, actually. So Michigan defense still held strong throughout the whole game. I'll be honest with you, I really wasn't concerned at all with Michigan's defense or the offense. I thought they played overall a great game, except for that one special teams blunder there in the first quarter. But Michigan pretty much owned the game. Michigan rocked and rolled 42-21. to The first downs were Michigan 24-11. to Absolutely dominated that area of the game. Total yards, total yards. This is ridiculous, guys. 465-220 to from Maryland. Again, not a very good performance by Maryland offense, especially for a 3-1 team that beat Texas. Let's not forget, Texas is rolling right now. With that big win over Oklahoma this last weekend, unbelievable. So if it wasn't for that loss against Temple, Maryland might have been ranked in this game. And so let's not forget it. Maybe they're not that bad of team, or definitely not a 42-21 to type team or did Michigan really improve this week? I think they did. So total yards again, 465 to 220 passing, 294, 73 yards for Maryland, 73 yards passing on 7 of 13. That is just awful. Shea Patterson had another great game, 20 of 28. We'll get into him a little later. Yards per pass, 10.5 for Michigan to 5.6 for Maryland. Interceptions, we did have that one interception that uh, bounced off the receiver's hand, so can't really blame Shea for that one. It wasn't the greatest of passes, but still hit him right in the hand, so you got to come down with that. So we did have one interception, but we also had that pick six against them, so that really helped. Rushing 171 to 147, a lot of that 147 yards came against kind of just mop-up time for our Michigan defense. So a lot of the uh, second, third stringers got in there in the fourth quarter, and that's where they basically scored all their points, minus the uh, touchdown there for, or minus the, the kick return for a touchdown. So nothing really to fret about there. Penalties, not too bad for Michigan this week. Six penalties for 52 yards. Now on the other side of the ball, Maryland, oh, just terrible. 12 penalties, 107 yards. And as I mentioned, both had one turnover. Time of possession was Michigan 35-39 to Maryland's 24-21. So let's get into some of the major topics of the game. One, Michigan's penalties. I mentioned it last week. Last week, just terrible in the penalties. This week, I hopefully Harbaugh, like we mentioned, was hopefully going to dial that in, focus on that in practice this week. It certainly appears he did. Or as Northwestern showed against Michigan State, is Northwestern kind of a team that maybe just is a little underrated and just doesn't have that good of a record, but they go up to Michigan State play Michigan State very tough. 
uh, just as tough as they played us. We were able to get the win at Northwestern, and I feel so bad for poor Sparty having to, you know, lose on uh, again in front of uh, just dozens of Michigan State fans. You know, the, again, the stadium empty. I've always mentioned it week to week. I'm getting sick of saying it, so just take it for granted that Michigan State or Spartan Stadium, whatever you want to call it, just will never sell out. So yeah, back to those penalties or lack thereof, six penalties, 52 yards coming off a over a hundred yards of penalties last weekend against Northwestern. So great job, boys. Great job, Harbaugh. If that is indeed what you guys focused on during practice, not a lot of, these were more of the penalties where we don't mind seeing where they were just a little more aggressive, not so much the lack of discipline, which we saw last week against Northwestern. So good job, guys. The other thing was the total yards. We could have easily had racked up 600 yards. We obviously didn't need to. We we scored, what, 14 in the second quarter, 10 in the third quarter, 15 in the fourth quarter, and we got some uh, some playing time for a lot of guys that don't get to play a lot. Got to see True Wilson in there for another, another solid game with 32 yards. We'll, we'll get into those individual stats here in a bit, but... Uh, some solid play from guys that you that we haven't really talked about a lot this season. So the overall team end factor was the penalties. I got to give it to them on the penalties and the lack of turnovers. Like I said, they did have one turnover, but that was kind of a fluky turnover. They're taking care of the ball very well this season. I'm very impressed with Michigan overall and their lack of turnovers. Besides the Notre Dame game, they really haven't turned the ball over hardly at all. So great job, guys. Those are the obvious M factors. If there was a negative M factor, it was definitely the injury bug that that hit us the weekend before, really. Uh, Rashawn Gary didn't dress. Evans didn't dress. We had a couple more guys go down. Hopefully, they'll be back next week. Again, there hasn't really been a lot of press on that. Harbaugh really hasn't said a lot. Some good news coming out of camp, though, was that Tariq Black is improving nicely. So that is exciting. I will say he's going to have to fight for that that position back because Nico Collins has been doing a great job this year filling in for him. So great job, Nico. Other than that, you really can't take away any, really can't uh, think of any major negatives for this game. So no negative M factors for the team overall. So great job. Solid team performance by the Wolverines this this past weekend. So let's get into some of the individual stats, speaking of Nico Collins and those boys rushing, Karan Higdon, another 100-yard game. Again, 25 carries. Boy, he's taking a, just a brunt of the carries with Evans out. He did get a little help this weekend. We use a little True Wilson, like I mentioned, five carries for 32 yards. He had a nice little 28-yard run, which was pretty solid. Samuels had three carries for 14 yards. Ben Mason, the big guy, the Mohawk man. Boy, he looks crazy, doesn't he? He's bringing back the old neck roll. I love it. Looks awesome. I wish he would bring back the huge neck rolls that we used to wear back in high school. Well, non-quarterbacks, I guess you'd say would wear in high school, you know, big old fullbacks. It was awesome to see. But Ben Mason, how about that hurdle in the guy at midfield there showing some athleticism by the big man. So great job, Ben Mason. Shea Patterson had another solid game scrambling. Uh, it only shows two carries for 10 yards, but those are, don't forget those are design carries, so they still count sacks as some of your, your rushing yardage. So that's not really a, a true statement or a true statistic of how many yards he actually gained on his rushing this past weekend. So obviously those of you that watched the game, you he was, uh, again, a solid, solid running game for Shea Patterson. And great job to Karan Higdon, again, with 25 carries and being able to just, again, be the workhorse for us. So great job, guys. Sorry I let off with the rushing right there, but let's go to the passing. And I've already mentioned Shea Patterson on the ground. Yet again, he keeps plays alive, and he is able to get rid of that ball. No way Leadfoot John Navarre could 
ever, ever have escaped some of these pass rushes. I don't even want to hear it, guys. I had a, another watch party at the new M Factor Studios. It was a great time. Glad to see everyone come out and uh, enjoy it. But <laughs> a couple of John Navarre lovers, uh, never mind, I can't can't bring them up again, but there is very few Michigan quarterbacks that can escape the way that Shea Patterson is and that can throw as well on the run. Let's face it, he's throwing the ball very well in the pocket, very accurate. And again, another solid, accurate game when he's scrambling or on the run. He seems to be making decent decisions. He did start off a little little slow, but no big deal. He settled right down. End of the game at 19 of 27, so a solid passer rating right there. 282 yards passing, so that was a season high for Shea. 10 yards, uh, 10.4, pardon me, per pass or per completion. Three TDs. So awesome job on the TDs, a solid ratio because he jumped back up there in the TDs, but he did have that one interception. Again, not his fault. Can't really blame him for that one. So great game with a QBR of 85.7. With that 85.7, that jumps him to number one in the Big Ten, folks. Number one in the Big Ten in QBR rate, or, uh, QB rating. So I don't want to hear this, uh, we want McCaffrey in there and stuff like that. I had to take a little bit from my Colorado friends during the game. But there's no way that we would go with anyone else besides Shea Patterson. That QBR is very important. Again, that's kind of a tribute to his passer efficiency, his lack of turnovers, and not a lot of touchdown passes, but his ability to not take the sack. He keeps the plays alive. I'm sure most of you have been noticing that throughout the season, except for maybe the first couple quarters against Notre Dame. But even against Notre Dame, he had some solid, solid escapes out of that pocket when it collapsed. So him uh, not being elusive and stuff back there is not really an issue because when he gets outside of that pocket, he's still dangerous. He can run, and obviously he shows his ability to be able to throw the ball when he's outside. So great job by Shea. Grant Perry actually had a nice little uh, a nice little flea flicker type deal. He was one for one for 12 yards. Uh, <laughs> so uh, nicely done. Great play call. And uh, Grant was able to complete it. So uh, that, was, that was pretty fun to watch. On the receiving end, we had Gentry, our tight ends. I have to mention this before. Our tight ends, actually, Gentry and McKeon were co-Big Ten Offensive Players of the Week. So great job, guys. I love to see that. You love to see the tight ends, especially with Michigan football. You love to see the tight ends get uh, the recognition they deserve because both of these guys had solid games. Gentry was seven receptions for 112 yards, led the team in both receptions, yardage, so good for him. Nico Collins did only have the one reception, but it was a big one, a nice 51-yard completion to him. Donovan Peoples-Jones, well, he had, uh, after getting knocked out, basically, on that late hit, that uh, that targeting call right to the face, actually, I mean, you had to rewind that a couple times. You hate to see that, especially to one of your own players. I was glad to see him get back up. I know he came back in the game and all, but hopefully this week he was okay. There was no concussion-like symptoms and stuff like that. You don't like to see that with these young guys out there. But you got to love the hit. Mouth guard went flying and stuff like that. So great. Just a great football, you know, action scene. So nonetheless, DPJ, one reception, 34 yards, and the, the touchdown, like I mentioned, right after that play, he comes right back in the next possession and scores that touchdown. And a nice solid run. And one thing I would like to say about that run is if you ever watch the highlight again, Take a look at the downfield blocking. The downfield blocking was amazing on that play. Something that Michigan has, uh, not a lot of people point out, but it's something they're very good at and something that Harbaugh has been good at uh, in his tenure here at Michigan at coaching these guys. When the play is going, continue to block, continue to block. How many times, you know, they don't have a lot of touchdown passes that are right to the end zone. It's a lot of these uh, receivers breaking the play 
and the downfield receivers, tight ends, even running backs down there making the downfield blocks and staying on their man, staying on their blocks. It's just take a look at that exact play and you'll you'll see exactly what I was talking about. If you didn't notice when you were actually watching the game and watching the replay itself, it, the downfield blocking was amazing. That's one thing I noticed about that play. One thing I like to see, and it's something I'm going to try to focus on the rest of the season so we can kind of critique it and see if it really, really makes a factor or is is making a, a solid uh, a solid M factor basically during these wins or a negative M factor when Michigan loses. Maybe they don't have as much downfield blocking or as effective at it in some of these games that uh, hopefully they don't lose, but uh, they're going to need it in the next three games for sure as well as that last game there against the boys from down south. So great job on that. That is definitely my end factor. I should have, actually, I should have had that as one of the team M factors. So we'll, we'll chalk that up to a team end factor because that was, that was absolutely incredible. And I noticed it the rest of the game. And now that I went and replayed the game, actually, I noticed it all game. It was great. And like I said, they've been doing that all season. So just keep an eye on that, folks. It's something I'd really like you to watch. That That's that solid coaching right there to tell your boys to, to stay on it. So back to the receiving core. Ronnie Bell had two receptions, 24 yards. Grant Perry and Sean McKeon both had three receptions. Ben Mason, Jared Wangler, True Wilson all had one reception. So Zach Gentry, again, great game. Awesome. Good to see the tight ends, like I mentioned. No fumbles for Michigan. Let's roll on over to the defense. Cannell with a solid seven tackles. He led the team. Devin Bush, six tackles. Kalik Hudson with five tackles. It's great to see Hudson finally settle in and no targeting penalties. Good job, Hudson, because we're really going to need you, buddy. Obviously, it shows he had one sack as well, two tackle for losses. Tell us. And Ross with four tackles. Big Chase didn't have as big a game as last week, but nonetheless didn't need to. Hopefully uh, rested up a little bit for this big game against Wisconsin coming up. Carlo Kemp had three tackles. And Ushay, Marshall, Jones, Gill, and Pay both had two tackles. And let's see, Dwumfor, who actually he went out with an injury I saw. He had a sack on the game. So overall, two sacks on the game for the Michigan defense. Again, really didn't need them. It really wasn't a huge thing, but you always like to pad that stat, right? From the special team standpoint, we had only... Only three kick returns all day. Aubrey Thomas had two for 45 yards. He had a nice long 26-yard one. And Brad Hawkins had one for nine. DPJ had two punt returns for 21 yards total. He had one 17 yards. Quinn Norton, again, continues to impress me. He's doing a great job. You'd love to see that confidence, like I mentioned, especially going into these next three weeks here. It's going to be brutal. I guess it's four weeks if you count the bye week. But let me just say the next three games. So great job. Quinn Norton, two for two. He had a 34-yarder. Four extra points, a solid 10 points, good for him. And Will Hart had only one punt, one punt, folks. That is amazing, 45 yards for Will Hart on that one punt. So my M-Factor awards go to Shea Patterson, nonetheless, and I will have to say Zach Gentry, sure-handed. I mentioned it weeks prior, but the sure hands, except for that one interception, I will I will admit that, that was kind of goofy, but except for that interception, the sure handedness of all these receivers, all these receivers, it, it, it's had, it has, I'd love to see the stat on drop passes this year because it has to be astounding on the lack of dropped passes this year. And that, that bodes well for Shea Patterson. One, it gets his confidence up, right? Two, when they need a big play, these guys are bringing him in. You know, Shea Patterson throws some dimes. He throws some hard balls. He has great touch on the ball. He puts the ball right where it needs to be, and these guys are coming down with it. Not a lot of college teams have that. One, because they're wide open most of the time. I will say that's maybe a negative side to a lot of these a lot of these receivers and stuff like that because I, let me get into that in a little bit, but the sure-handedness of these wide receivers and tight ends and even the running backs has been really impressive this year 
something else I really want to watch in these next three games to see if they can keep that up. But back to what I was saying about a negative M factor, it just doesn't seem like these guys are getting open a lot. Remember back when Jake Rudock was playing Harbaugh's first year, every time he threw the ball, it was like those guys were wide open. Now, don't get me wrong. These guys break away every once in a while, and Shea Patterson puts it right where it needs to be. But it seems a lot of these times, like there's always someone on these guys. Great job of using the tight ends nonetheless. And maybe they'll get it. You know, these guys still are young, but I just kind of noticed that it seems like every time the ball is thrown, especially when it's on TV, the TV follows the ball, right? And there's always a guy right on them. So just something to watch here in the, the upcoming weeks. But back to the M Factor Awards, Shea Patterson gets another one. Got to give it to him. Career or not a career high, pardon me, a game or season high rather, season high 282 yards. That QBR rating continues to climb, and they finally came out with the basically the the Big Ten Conference leaders. Now that we're six games into the season, we've got a couple, you know, three conference games under our belt. They can finally start putting up legit stats and stuff like that. So it's great to see Shea up there in total QBR rating, number one in the conference. It's funny, I didn't see Lewerke up there. That's weird. Oh, well, maybe it's the hairdo. Who knows? Who cares? So congrats, guys, on this week's M-Factor Awards. Now, most of you are probably hoping that all of this improvement and hype bodes well for Michigan this upcoming weekend, and actually in the upcoming couple of weeks, because we do start the brutal part of our schedule, right guys? This week starts the Wisconsin at home, followed by Michigan State away. We do get a bye week in there, thank goodness, and then we, we have Penn State at home. So a brutal four weeks, but a real brutal three games coming up here. We do get that by, but then we get a little bit of a letdown. Watch out because it definitely has proven to be a letdown in years past. That Rutgers, not so much, but that Indiana game. We got to watch out for that Indiana game. Indiana actually played Ohio State very, very tough this last weekend for about three quarters, right? And then they do typical Indiana Hoosier and blow it in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. But they really, really play top-notch teams are really difficult. I know they always play Michigan tough, so that could definitely be a letdown game before the big one down in Columbus. But let's move on to this week's game. I know everyone's excited about it. I know I am. I'm pretty sure the whole nation is. College game day going to be in the house. It is a night game. It starts at 7.30. The game will be televised on ABC. Like I mentioned, College Game Day will be in the house. That begins at 9 a.m., I believe, Saturday morning, so tune into that. Maybe if you're going to the game, head there early, try to get on TV, try to get behind those crazy cats on game day. You know Desmond will be there, our boy. Well, not so much our boy Herb Street, but I will say this about Herb Street. He is rather, he doesn't seem to be very biased against the Wolverines, and Desmond does a good job, too, about not being as biased against the Buckeyes. So props to those guys. I know ESPN did a nice job of actually getting those two on the same stage and stuff like that. It's kind of a very nice offsetting personalities there. But back to the game, Michigan is actually favored by eight and a half as of right now. I do agree with that spread simply because I feel Michigan is playing much better football than Wisconsin. And I will not forget my statements in earlier episodes that stating the Big Ten West is absolute garbage. Wisconsin has not played anyone real this year. Um, let's see, their their biggest win. Honestly, I can't really give you their biggest win. They've, they've beaten Nebraska, Iowa, that loss to BYU. They have that opening season win against Western Kentucky, but that loss to BYU, that was at home, folks. And they only beat Nebraska 41-24. to Obviously, we know how much we beat them by. And that win at Iowa, I always think Iowa's tough, but I think Iowa actually just plays Michigan very tough. Iowa is 4-1 and on the year, so that could be, that's probably their biggest win. And you could honestly say, if it wasn't for Northwestern beating Michigan State, that Michigan doesn't really have a huge win either in terms of the Big Ten because the obvious meat of their schedule is coming up here. 
but that kind of bodes well in my prediction of a Michigan win of 28 to 21, uh, very close to the spread. I do think Wisconsin's run game is, is solid. Their passing game with Honey Brook, not so great. He's only 73 of 114 on the year, not even 1,000 yards passing yet. Uh, but he does only have two interceptions, but only seven TDs. On the other hand, in terms of the run game, you know, you got Taylor with 126 carries, 849 yards, eight TDs so far on the year. When comparing that to Higdon, 101 carries, 582 yards, five touchdowns on the season. Now, Taylor does get the bulk of the carries for Wisconsin and Higdon did have to share a couple games with Evans. They do spread it out to True Wilson, and Mason has gotten a lot of carries the last couple games. Now, is that a real legit stat to compare everything on? I'm not so sure, but we will definitely see on Saturday. I'm really looking forward to the game. This should be an epic ball game. It's going to be rocking at the big house. Hopefully, it'll be a nice little maze out. Hopefully, the weather is decent. I know it might be a little chilly as compared to the weather we've been having the last couple weekends. Nonetheless, I'm sure there'll be 110 plus at the big house compared to the, what, the 20 400 that it was at Spartan Stadium this last weekend. In terms of the stats and stuff for the two teams, very, very comparable when it comes to Michigan more of a passing team. 220 yards they're averaging to 193 of Wisconsin, but where Wisconsin obviously comes in strong, we all know this about Wisconsin. This is no secret whatsoever. Wisconsin comes into the game with 287 yards per game rushing compared to Michigan's 200. So not a, not a terrible discrepancy there, but a decent difference if you want to compare them. We do get to the defenses, though, and this is where Michigan obviously stands out. They are rated as the top defense in the country, and I couldn't agree more. A lot of these yards, a lot of these points have come off mop-up time, a lot of their second and third stringers getting in during these blowouts. So these stats could even be better, but nonetheless, pass yards allowed for Wisconsin, 219 per game to Michigan's 134. Michigan is the best in the country at the pass defense. Rush yards allowed, 130 for Wisconsin. 96 yards average per game against Michigan's run defense, so not even 100 yards. And like I mentioned, they're going to need it because Taylor's definitely one of the best running backs in the Big Ten, if not the best running back in the Big Ten. So I think Michigan comes out to play. They're going to be excited. They're going to be hyped. And hopefully this starts off this brutal stretch of the Big Ten schedule with a nice solid victory against a you know a decent team. They are ranked. Uh, they Wisconsin comes in ranked at 15. Michigan will start the game at number 12, and this will be another, you know, our first real true test since Notre Dame, as Notre Dame continues to impress people. So, you know, we can really judge ourselves on how much we actually are improving, finally. We showed a little bit of uh, character against Northwestern, coming back from behind. I do think Wisconsin's better than Northwestern, but who knows? Like I said, maybe Northwestern is severely, severely underrated and finally was able to pull one out last weekend against Michigan State or just Michigan State's garbage. But I'm sure Michigan State will come out gunning against us because we're their Super Bowl, right? As I mentioned in earlier episodes. So Michigan, 28. Wisconsin, 21. Go Blue. Come out to play. Keep improving. Mention that every week. So can't wait to watch it. I will be watching it on TV, probably have another watch party. And I, I, like I said, I can't wait. I'm, I'll be a kid on Christmas Eve, Friday night, as I'm sure most of you Michigan fans will. And just a quick side story. There have been two really memorable moments that I can remember in this Michigan-Wisconsin series. The first one being Rich Rod's first year. Wisconsin comes into the big house ranked, and I believe they had P.J. Hill. P.J. Hill was their running back. You know, normally Wisconsin has a solid running back, but yeah, it was P.J. Hill, and Wisconsin jumps out to us like a 21-3 to lead. I remember I was up in Big Rapids up at Fair State, the old alma mater, and I was watching it with a couple buddies, and we went over to their house at halftime because we were at a bar for the first half, and we basically said, oh, this is, this is terrible. This is over. This is, oh, they look just awful, terrible, nasty. And sure enough, we head back to the house. 
Of course, we're still going to watch it because we're Michigan fans, right? We're no Fairweather fans. And sure enough, Stephen Three leads him back on the comeback against Wisconsin. We end up winning it and to, for Rich Rod to go 1-0 in the Big Ten because it was the Big Ten opener. And that was that was just great. remember running around the house and let's just say we had a few adult cocktails that night. The second was just a couple years ago, Harbaugh's second year. And that was the awesome one-handed interception by Jordan Lewis to secure that 14-7 victory over Wisconsin and kind of fired us up for the remainder of the Big Ten schedule. Unfortunately, we did lose to Iowa and Ohio State that year and then ended up losing to Florida State in the bowl game. But still, what a great play. What a great game. Very memorable weekend for other reasons as well, but that was incredible. So hopefully this one makes it into the memorable bank for myself in terms of a Michigan win. Don't get me wrong, I wouldn't mind if it was a solid blowout, but nonetheless, hopefully it's a solid game and Michigan comes out on top. Now moving on to the next segment, the fan mail and a lot of great uh, a lot of great answers to the question of last week of who is your least favorite announcer i don't want to say the most hated a lot of you responded back with who you hated and stuff like that but it's a pretty strong word i can only use that when it comes to dakich right so we'll get into a couple of the answers here real quick and uh, some of them i really agree with Others, I'm not so sure. I don't know why a lot of these guys get bad raps. I I kind of enjoy them, but some people did agree with me on Dakich. I know verbally talking to a lot of friends, they agreed with me. So let's go into some of the answers on that real quick. We'll get started right with my buddy JJ. JJ writes Bill Walton because he's so over the top. I definitely couldn't agree more. If you watch Bill Walton or listen to Bill Walton, every single play is just insane, right? It's like the, the greatest play on earth. And he's, JJ states is now that he's smoked himself crazy. And yeah, that is definitely spot on. So great answer on that one, JJ. I couldn't agree more with that. My buddy Strunkable says John Madden. Now, John Madden, I always actually kind of liked. However, I do get kind of annoyed at him using the uh, Digitron all the time and, and, you know, drawing up the circles and the routes and stuff like that almost every other play. But regardless of his, his voice and stuff like that, I don't really mind it. So sorry, Strunkable, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. My buddy Donnie, who mentioned him earlier, was Kirk Herbstreet. I'm assuming because he was OSU, but not really. You know, I alluded to it earlier how I thought he was kind of unbiased, but Donnie seems to think that he has the crappiest thing to say about Michigan and the coaches at any point that he can. And yeah, of course, Herbie, Herbie is from Ohio State, an OSU grad, played quarterback for him in the early 90s, even though I don't really remember him playing. I'm sure I'm not sure if you guys do or not. My buddy Lando writes Joe Buck. I know a lot of people that do not like Joe Buck. I know a lot of you agree with that one. I had to ask, what is the reason with uh, hating Joe Buck? I really don't understand. I kind of find his voice rather soothing and stuff like that when he's on there. But soothing actually is the synonym maybe maybe for dull, which Landon kind of stated in his responses to me on that. So. My buddy Charlie writes, Beth Moens, this one I have to 100% agree with. I just really can't get into the football game. When she's announcing, it just doesn't seem right. Her voice doesn't fit the game of football. So I got to agree with you there on that one, buddy. And my buddy Scotty states Chris Collinsworth. That is his ultimate, uh, his ultimately, he actually hates Chris Collinsworth. He can't stand to listen to him. I never really understood why. I don't know if he has a diss. Uh, my buddy Scotty, very big fan of the Denver Broncos. They're actually from Denver. I do not know if that is because, he's going to have to explain that to me sometime. Maybe, maybe Collinsworth is just always anti-Denver. I'm not sure about that one. So 
Great questions, guys. I really appreciate the interactions and stuff. We'll keep it going. I would like to get into the question for this week. Again, you can answer these on Facebook. Talk to me, text me, Twitter, SoundCloud. All of these places have a forum for answering these questions. I will post them on Facebook. Again, it's still just my profile. I'm really, really working hard to try to get a website up for the M Factor or at least an M Factor fan page on Facebook so we can all join in on the community and stuff like that. I think that'll be really be fun. But nonetheless, the question for this week is, this kind of follows a news article I read earlier today, or pardon me, earlier this week, stating, or the Big Ten basketball predictions on the Big Ten champion, and they had Michigan State at number one, followed by Michigan. Now, based on our recruiting class and who we're returning, I know we're missing Big Mo this year, but I still think we have a solid class coming back, and we've basically owned the Spartans for the last couple of years. I want to know your guys' thoughts. It might, like I said, it might be a little longer answer this week. So it's not just one name or one word or one stadium or whatnot. Give me your thoughts on what you think about that. Do we finish one? Do we finish worse than two? I personally think that we have a very, very good chance of winning the Big Ten this year. Depends on how some of our incoming freshmen play and who wants to step up this year. In the last couple of years, obviously, Mo Wagner has stepped up for us big time. And some other, uh, you know, behind-the-scenes players have really stepped up. You know, you never know who's going to beat you in some of these games if you are the opponent of the Wolverines. Jordan Poole, call the three. So, what are your thoughts on Michigan being predicted to be second in the league this year in the Big Ten? Let me know, guys. Again, answer on Facebook, answer on SoundCloud, text me, let me know. We'll go over it next week. I can't wait for all your answers. Let's keep this interaction going. And speaking of Sparty being predicted to finish number one in the Big Ten this year, that brings us to our weekly rival annoyance. You guessed it, folks. It, again, has to do with our favorite, favorite team there up in East Lansing. But it's nothing to do with the team, actually, this week. It has to do with their fans. Because, as most of you know, Michigan State lost to Northwestern last week. And what I've noticed a lot about Michigan State fans is as soon as they lose to a bad team or they feel like a bad season is coming on, regardless if they actually have a good season or not, they always seem to instantly, they say, oh, Michigan's going to kill us this year. Michigan's going to kill us this year. And then those same exact people, if Michigan State wins, are rubbing it in your face the next day. Now, don't get me wrong. I got nothing against standing behind your team and stuff like that because through thick and thin, through Rich Rod, through Brady Hoke, We stuck with our team, right? All of us Michigan fans stuck with our team, and we expected to win every game, even with Rich Rod, even when we were terrible, even when we had those three wins, even when we didn't make those bowl games. We expected to win every game, regardless if it was against Michigan State, Ohio State, or another ranked opponent. We expected to win, and we talked smack like we expected to win, right? These Michigan State fans, year in and year out, if they suspect any sort of mediocrity, which that's all they are, That's all Michigan State will ever be is mediocre in football. And they're kind of turning that way in basketball, and I love it. But these Michigan State fans continue to, every year, unless they're 6-0, 7-0, 5-0 when they're playing Michigan, it is always before the game, oh, this is going to be brutal. I don't expect to win. I I may not even watch the game. Well, we know that's bullcrap because the next day, guess what? And it's sad to say, and in the most recent years, they've been able to pull it out against us, but... Every single time they get a they get a hint of them not being good or having a letdown season, here it comes. Here comes the, oh, well, not a chance we'll beat Michigan. I don't expect to beat Michigan. There's no way we're terrible. Michigan just outmatches us big time. And then the next morning, if they win, you can bet those people are in your face. Are they not? 
I'm sure all of you know Michigan State fans that are like this, and it really, really annoys me. I'm sitting here being annoyed right now because it's already started. As soon as that Northwestern game ended, I already had Sparty fans texting me saying, ooh, it's going to be brutal against Michigan this year. We look terrible. We look awful. How can you do that against a team that you love? That's what I've stated in earlier episodes, how that university just seems to annoy me, including the fans. I know Michigan fans are probably the most hated fans on the planet, but that is because of a positive that we have, and that is because we are so confident and most of the times overconfident, right? Because there has been times where we have not had a very good team, especially in the last decade, and we are still standing behind our team and we'd still expect to win. And we still talk smack like we're going to win. So really disappointed in the Sparty fans year in and year out after they lose a a mediocre game. And like I said earlier, maybe Northwestern is actually a solid team. I mean, they played us very, very well. We were, I'm not going to say lucky to get out of there with a win because I thought we showed a lot of knit and grit in the last three quarters of the game. So I can't say that Northwestern is garbage, but Michigan State in every single game this year has looked garbage. So don't get me wrong. They have every right to say, oh, we're not that good. We're not that good. But still stand behind your team, especially for your Super Bowl game against Michigan, because I'm sure you'll still play well. And that also annoys the crap out of me, as I mentioned in previous episodes. So boo, Michigan State fans. Stand behind your team. Go big or go home. Have some guts and start talking some smack about the game because you sure will the next day if Michigan State happens to pull it out. I don't see them pulling it out this year, but <laughs> I've predicted that every year because I have faith in the Michigan boys. So just get out of here, State. Now, after I cool down here a little bit, I will be able to say some of the closing statements. <sighs> there we go. Just breathe a little, right? Sorry if that was loud into the microphone, but kind of gets me worked up talking about the rival annoyances of the week. So, okay feeling a little better now. Just got to talk it out, talk it through. All right, calm, Adam, calm, calm, calm. Okay, so without further ado, that will bring episode seven to its closing. If you guys are going to the game, get there early. It's going to be a long, long day of partying over there in Ann Arbor. Have fun. College Game Day will be there, like I mentioned. Try to get on TV. See you there. How about you hold up a sign for the M Factor? That'd be awesome. I'd be. I'd love to see that. That'd be so cool. A little M Factor podcast in the background. That would be awesome. I would really appreciate that. I know a lot of you guys get pretty creative with those signs on game day. They're actually pretty funny to read no matter where college game day is. I'll tell you what, it's one of those great things to wake up on a Saturday morning and see just the kids nowadays, how, how creative they are with these signs. Some of them are really, really solid. But if you are there and you think about it, and you got a 20 minutes to burn tomorrow or something like that to make a little sign, yeah, go ahead and throw up that M Factor podcast sign and uh, we'll, we'll give a shout out to you on the next episode. So let the nation know about the M Factor. But if you don't feel like holding up a sign, make sure you get to iTunes or Google Play. Give us a subscription. Give us a five-star rating. Again, it really helps. It seriously does help, folks. It gives us uh, solid ratings with both platforms. So if not, you can always listen on SoundCloud. I do appreciate that as well. That's a, another great platform. If you're traveling to Ann Arbor, be safe, party hard. If not, the game is at 7.30, ABC. And if you are staying at home, make sure to tune into College Game Day at 9 a.m. Be looking for all those M-Factor signs out there in the crowd. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Actually, I hope that really happens. So have a great weekend, Michigan fans. Go Blue. I'm Adam Amble, and this is the M-Factor.